With the inception and traction that blockchain and crypto has gathered, the world is possibly on the verge of the largest evolution since the mainstream of the internet. Given the fluidity and dynamic nature of this technology, business leaders, enthusiasts, and veterans all need to band together to navigate the current and upcoming storms. Participants in Web 3.0 want a trusted resource that gives them pertinent information about projects, tokens, technology, and businesses. We are business people talking the business of crypto. We are Y Whales. Welcome, Y Whales. Uh, good morning, good afternoon, wherever in the world you are. We're here uh, with Gabby from YGG. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and turn it right over to him because this man almost needs no introduction and anything I do would, would be uh, not even sufficient. So how are you doing, sir? Hey, Jay. Thanks for having me. Good. So, um, so, so give us kind of some background. I mean, you're in, you're in one of the hottest spaces in the hottest new asset class there is, uh, crypto blockchain gaming. Um, but let, let's, before we get into that, you know, tell us like where you came from. Sure. So uh, I grew up in the Philippines, um, got my first computer, which is a Commodore VIC-20 in 1983. So my dad had come home from a business trip to America and yeah, bought, bought us a Commodore. And that really got me into computer games. So I've been playing with PC games all my life and there started learning how to program. But I really wanted to be in the game industry. I've always wondered who would be the people that were behind those favorite games that I played growing up. So yeah, when I uh, graduated from university in Manila in 2000, um, I became a game developer. So uh, 2003, 18 years ago, I joined the game industry and we shipped the first ever game to come out of the Philippines then. Um, I've what been was in the, it? Uh, it's called Anito. It was a single player RPG um, that was on the PC. And uh, we did everything from, of course, creating the game to putting them in C, burning them in CDs, putting them in a box, and then delivering them to to stores. Like it was a lot of fun back then, <laughs> a lot of manual work. <laughs> Listen, I and, and I can still remember the smell of unwrapping thousands of discs, and then did you have the the towers of like dropping yeah. in like twenty? Yeah, the the for the sure. <laughs> oh, That's I, right. I won't miss that. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of work uh, for uh, manual physical distribution back then. But um, in 2000, 2014, we jumped into mobile arena and uh, I co-founded Altitude Games, which is a, a mobile game studio that's creating casual games for iOS and Android phones. So yeah, we've been uh, making games there um, since uh, for the last seven years. But in 2017, we started taking a look at blockchain and specifically Ethereum because we heard of the concept of smart contracts. And smart contract, the way it was uh, mentioned then, is that it's like uh, programmable money, which coming from a game developer perspective uh, is super interesting. And we've always dealt with, you know, virtual scores, uh, coin tracking systems in games. And the idea that there's an online cloud-based money that's immutable that you can program into applications. It sounded really interesting. So we started playing around with smart contracts then to see how we could potentially apply them to the game industry. And while we were doing that, CryptoKitties came out in November 2017, brought down the Ethereum network and popularized the idea of a non-fungible token or NFT, which um, unlike the fungible tokens or the currencies, a non-fungible token was a unique token with its own uh, unique traits or uh, um, assets in uh, on the chain. So you could have a token that was uh, 
that had unique metadata in it that would identify it as uh, as one of one of a kind or unique and you could also attach uh, pointers to media on it for example an image that would represent the token um so that was really cool that meant that there could be games that have their game items as nfts assets that actually live outside of the game and these were think of it like physical uh, assets like uh, a baseball bat right you you have a baseball bat and you use it to play a game to practice swinging to hit someone hopefully not but you own that you own that bat that's what an nft is it's an asset that you can bring into different applications but the asset itself didn't belong to any game it belonged to the wallet where that asset belonged to and that was just a really revolutionary idea at that time that the assets would live outside of the application itself and so i mean again 2017 we're, we're talking early early um you know erc what 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 protocol 721 yeah so it's on so ethereum it erc 721 yeah that's right okay so so the the same you know protocol is still still the standard today because i tried doing a drop on 1155 and everyone's like Ugh. You just, you just don't you it's, just don't do that <laughs> yeah 1155 for uh, context for everyone when you're trying to put on the blockchain um, a lot uh, multiple instances of the same thing so for example i want to release for some reason a thousand rocks on the blockchain like it it is expensive to publish each rock but if each rock is uh, uh is identical then I can use the 1155 standard, which is called a semi-fungible token, and I can publish these 1,000 rocks. And it's almost the same cost as uh, publishing one rock. And if you're doing uh, ERC721, which is the non-fungible token, you have to mint those NFTs one by one, which is incredibly expensive because they are all unique tokens. So that's the difference. Yes, no, absolutely. And thank you for uh, taking the time to, to go through that, because I actually like hearing your explanation of these, and I'm sure it, you get asked of it constantly. So what what was the game that you were working on right at the time that you discovered Ethereum? And, and what was the pivot that you made to, to go with this this concept that's still really a, a challenge today? Um, yeah. Because clear, clearly the technologies exist, but the ecosystems haven't quite caught up. Yeah, so when we discovered NFTs, we started making a game called Battle Racer. So Battle Racers is a racing game that had NFTs for car parts. The idea was that you could mix and match the car parts with these NFTs to form unique cars. Um, and so we did that on Decentraland and partnered with Polygon. And then in uh, late, like October 2018, I started playing the game Axie Infinity. So Axie was under 500 people um, around the world then. God. And it was kind of an evolved version of CryptoKitties where you could not only breed your axes as you could with CryptoKitties, you could also battle them with a kind of rudimentary auto-battle game that existed then. But what Axie always had was that they let the players own the economy and create value in, in that economy and then have them trade with each other and really treat the community as co-creators of the game. So that kind of special sauce with Axie had always been there, even when the initial version of the game was super basic. And that meant that the community of Axie had always been extremely special and welcoming. And that's kind of my entry into one of the best uh, communities ever into, into Web3 and blockchain games. Do, do you mind if we spend a minute on, on, on that term right there, community? Um, because I think a lot of people 
and again, this this is podcast is more geared towards the executive levels. Um, and when you hear community, you're, you you may not understand in the Web three world, it's like that's that's it. Like there's not much that goes like if you don't have a community behind you, you just have code. Um, yeah. What what is community? What is like how was that to? Because you were in gaming, so you understood you had to have a fan base. Yeah. But now, what's a community mean? You know, kind of in this new world. Yeah, so how community is treated within like Web two platforms and Web three is extremely different. Um, in uh, in Web two, these platforms uh, have users. In Web three, what you want and the biggest difference is that the the users themselves own the platform. So that means your community are your co owners and your co creators of the game, and this makes a world of difference because now the the community members are essentially initial product. So the most important part of any Web3 protocol or uh, or a product is really its community and what the community does is the product around it. And uh, yeah, so this is a big change for Web2 where you have kind of a product-focused fo- founder. Think of a Mark Zuckerberg who creates a genius product and then gets van- venture capital and acquire users. What happens a lot in, uh, in Web3 is that you can see a community form around an idea and there may not be a product. It's just a community that owns a DAO, for example, and then they go out in search of something to do or they're built around the central idea, which in YGG's case is play to earn. Yeah. And, and so, um, and, and you, and again, you're, you have one of the absolute, you know, premier communities online uh, and, and we might as well just go ahead and, and start pivoting it over into, into YGG because it's, it's impossible not to talk about it. Um, but let's start with the community. Like what is, sure. what is that, um, like to, to, I mean, cause I, I have a teeny tiny one. Um, and I feel like indebted every day when I wake up and when I go to sleep, I just go, I, I don't know if I, I did enough for them. Um, what's yours like? <laughs> okay. So our community is over a hundred thousand people in the world. A lot of them are from my country in the Philippines, but we have played to earn gamers all across the world. Um, there's a huge concentration from Southeast Asia in Indonesia, Thailand, Malaysia. We're very popular in Latin America. So Venezuela, Colombia, Brazil. We also have gamers from like US, Europe, like people from all over the world that are just passionate about NFT and play to earn games. And yeah, so these people kind of look for games, talk about them, talk about their trading strategies, which drops they're buying, what games they're playing. And then we form them into groups of people that go in and play these games, such as Axie Infinity, League of Kingdoms, Splinterland. So that's what we do at the YGG Discord community. And, and you know, what, but let's, you know, as, as again, as we kind of re-expand back into that, um, like, who, who, like, do you know, do you know individuals? I mean, are there leaders? How is it, how is it formed? How is it organized? Like what's your, what's your hierarchy of, of controlling a hundred thousand blockchain gamers? <laughs> okay. So, uh, there are some hierarchies in the community. So for example, uh, there's what we call the scholarship program, which is the lending program where we lend out axes to people who want to play and farm and earn the SLP token, but they can't afford the axes up front. So they come in as a scholar. Basically, they're using our axes to play and earn. And then there's a revenue share model on that. So we don't actually work with the players directly. We work with uh, independent community managers that are part of our community. They're the ones that are recruiting and training players from around the world, teaching them how to use a wallet, teaching them how to play Axie, get better, earn money. 
um, and off-ramp the, the, the SLP they earn into fiat. And in exchange, these community managers receive 20% of the SLP upside. So the revenue share is roughly as follows. 70% of the SLP earned goes to the player or the scholar, 20% to the community manager, and 10% to us, the YDG. So we rely on these community managers around the world to help recruit, organize, and train players so that they can play and earn money from the metaverse. Was, did you, was this by design or did this just happen? Um, did, well... I would say that the the genesis of the what we call the scholarship program kind of organically happened in the community. So there's two types of uh, logins, the way to access the application Axie Infinity. One is basically the normal username password login. The other one is a wallet-based login. And what someone from the community discovered was that I could give you, for example, my username password. You can log in, you can use my axes, play with them, earn money, but you couldn't run away with them because you didn't own the underlying crypto wallet. So that's how the lending program was born, where people started giving access to their accounts to other people who could play, who could earn, but not uh, run away with the assets. And yeah, that's that's really what led the growth of Axie Infinity to the multi-billion dollar company it is today. <laughs> that, and, that's, that, and that's absolutely fascinating. So... It, just just dive in and, and tell us like what your what a normal week is like that you're dealing with, um, <laughs> you know, because, again, we're, we're entrepreneurs and, and we're all trying to understand how to build and grow in this space. Um, you know, what are the challenges you deal with and what are the what are the, the issues you're trying to, to tackle? So in a normal week, uh, there is a week wherein I bought an asteroid in a game. We, I, we bought a million dollars worth of spaceships in another game or onboarding. Uh, Brazilian players through a guild that we're investing in. Um, we were working with, uh, f- for example, phone companies who may want to distribute phones to our community network. And then, yeah, there's just the thousands of community members who show up wanting to play a game, learning, want to know how. Like it's it's endlessly fascinating because a guild itself is not a company. It's so multifaceted. We're a player community of people who. Uh, who play games. We also invest in assets in these games. So we actually have a four-man investing team that looks into these assets and buys them for our community. But they don't invest in equity. They buy NFTs and tokens. Um, we have an esports team that goes out and, and have players uh, playing in tournaments for the YDG brand. So there's so much stuff going on, and it's endlessly fascinating to, to wake up and do this job every day. That, that is so fascinating that you, you're literally, uh, I mean, it's, by pure accident, you guys have, have recreated, um, you know, essentially you still have to go back to some sort of corporate infrastructure and you have, you know, different divisions. I mean, yeah. now not every, you know, outside of Elon Musk, you know, you probably have the, the second largest spaceship fleet. Um, but I mean, that, so, so when you acquire these things, are they, you know, how, how do you manage, is it just for fun or do you, are you actually making revenue on them as well? Yeah, so uh, we acquire assets that earn yield in some type of game or virtual world environment. So the assets we buy has to have the ability to earn tokens because these are the ones that are we are lending out to our players and earning money from, as in the case of Axie, where we own 35,000 Axies. Think of it as a fleet that we're then lending out to our players that they use to uh, play and then earn money while playing in the game. So that's the business model we have over a billion dollars of assets under management in, in terms of NFTs and tokens. And we use those NFT assets for uh, now 
over 6,000 players around the world playing Axie Infinity to, uh, to earn. We've given out over $11 million to our player community in terms of uh, SLP rewards just in the last year. And we want to do this across, you know, virtual land, horse, uh, ho virtual horse car racing, uh, horse racing, car racing, um, like armor, shields, uh, what have you, like whatever you want to do in the metaverse, we want to have the equipment for you to do it. That's, a, that's, it's absolutely amazing. So, so what, let's just dive right into the fact of like, what metaverse, I mean, axes is axes. You're, you're, in, yeah. you're, you know, there's nothing there. What are you seeing? Because every day we're, we're hearing about two to three new games are going to launch and, and there's all these new things. And to be clear, you know, there, there's, there's not enough AAA gaming studios that exist on this planet to cover 10% of these, <laughs> these launches of things that they're promising. So we understand that most of it's vaporware. What, what are you seeing that you're just going like, oh my God, this is, this is the future? Yeah, so what, what's crazy about the current environment is that because of later in, there has been no easier environment in the history of the game industry to start a new game studio now and have collect a few million dollars in a seed round to create a play to earn game but we're seeing more and more top tier talent, really experienced game developers leave big companies like Riot, Electronic Arts, Ubisoft and the others and start new studios to think about like, what does it mean to make a new game from the ground up that is not free to play, uh, but play to earn NFT based, Web3 based gaming. So it's, it's a really exciting time. And while I would say that a lot, like Axie has been in the lead, they, really started taking off uh, mid this year, but the game had been in development for two and a half years um, before that. And with the games that we're seeing now that are coming up in the next six months, with the new studios being formed with veteran game developers that are coming out maybe in the next two years, the quality of stuff that you can do inside a video game and earn money in the next five to 10 years is just going to be so diverse. What, what do you think, when do you think the, the, the full VR is going to be a thing? You know, do you think that, that Zuckerberg's going to act, I mean, $10 billion, <clears throat> the easiest, I always say the easiest way to make a small fortune is start with a large one. Um, <laughs> and so clearly, um, you know, he, he's, he's, his measure of success is to throw as much money on it as possible. But, you know, I, I think that everyone in the space is rooting against him. Um, <laughs> but, but it, but it's good for exposure. But I mean, what are your thoughts on, on that, that type of news? Yeah, so I think the future, there will be largely two types of metaverse, the, the open one and the closed one. And the closed one will be corporate-owned, built by large companies such as Meta slash Facebook. Very, I would say, curated experiences. And uh, you'll be able to do a lot of cool stuff here, but the big difference is that you won't really, really be able to own any of these products that are built by these corporations. And on the other hand, you have... Uh, Web3, which is freewheeling, a lot of different people collaborating, competing, making products that are interoperable with each other because they have blockchain as a base. And the beauty of blockchain is that you're, uh, you're working off a common shared computer, right, where people can draw assets from, save state, execute contracts. That means that collaboration between different protocols is as easy as tapping APIs or reading info from a public blockchain. That means you can really uh, kind of compound the innovation very quickly because you don't need to sit down in a long meeting, sign a lot of NDAs. People show you their tech stack and see how you can integrate, have it approved by legal. I can get into, uh, like read the documentation, um, kind of 
pull the code and start using an API. And if I have a question, I get into Telegram or Discord and say, hey, what's up? How do I use this? And that's just incredible for the speed of innovation of Web3. And the best part about it is that the Web3 protocols are owned or have the ability to be owned by the users themselves. No, and, and it's fabulous. And we're seeing, um, you know, this week there was a change at the top of Twitter. All, and then, you know, within a few days, mass bannings and, and accounts being taken offline. And, and so I think clearly everyone that's in the Web3 space, you know, doesn't believe in that. If you don't want to see something or you don't like someone's opinion, you know, you, it filter, filter options pretty easy. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and when you get, but coming back to, to YGG and, and what you're doing, I mean, you guys are global. Um, I mean, is there any, like you're, you're in the country you're in so that you don't have to worry about us regulations, but I mean, how does, um, how does it work with so many different, you know, I guess you have a unified currency. It doesn't matter. And, and so the, the, the challenges that a normal international corporation would have kind of just disappear for you. Well, uh, regulation is still something we actively think about because while people are earning money in the metaverse, they have to take that money into the real world to be able to buy food on the table and spend for themselves. So this is where we touch financial services. The most exciting part for me about YGG is that we can uh, bring ordinary people into Web3. They don't even have to know code. They don't have to know crypto. They must know how to play a game and how and they have the... Uh, I guess, interest in making money from playing a game. And then our community does the rest. Onboard them with a wallet, teach them how to play a game, teach them how to use the wallet. And now not only are people going into the metaverse, they're coming there looking for a job, maybe playing one of these games or being a trader or being a streamer. And they're getting income that they can use in the real world. So we're democratizing access uh, to the economic opportunities in the metaverse to anyone across the world. And when those economic opportunities go back to the real world, that's when the regulation comes in. You have to deal with kind of crypto to fiat off-ramp. Um, how do the licenses work? So these are things that we're actively working with. But in most countries, there's kind of a well-defined framework on what these financial services look like and what licenses are required. So what, um, you're, you're obviously Ethereum maxis, <laughs> you, you, you believe in Ethereum and, and, uh, you like spend, you, you, I can only imagine how much you spend in gas, uh, in, in a single day. What More than my chain? car. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> um, what, what other chains are you guys, uh, staring at? Okay. So at YGG, we actually go where the games are. So we're not, uh, specific to one chain. So apart from Ethereum, we have games that are built on. Polygon, Immutable X, Solana, and Wax Flow. So that's just the start. Ronin, of course, for Axie Infinity. Uh, like where where players want to play the games, we'll work on whatever chain that's on. What and um, how do you guys determine which games? Just anything, or you really it has to have a little bit of depth? Yeah, we have uh, actually very specific criteria as a guild. First, we want to see that games have a long-term sustainable economy. Unlike speculators or events with VCs, their goal is to buy tokens for maybe as low as possible and someday in the future sell them for as high as possible. We have a much more long-term view on the games that we invest in because we buy the NFT assets that these players actually use to play within these games. So we have to make sure that the economies we're buying into are sustainable because otherwise, the NFTs that we have will be dead in a few years. So we take a look at 
how the virtual economies are set up in these games, how the tokenomics are structured, how players are earning the rewards, who's paying for them, and is there an ability for a guild to come in and buy a million dollars worth of assets in a game and be able to lend them out safely, similar to the scholarship program, to its guild members. So yeah, that's that's a sample of the criteria we look at. And, and when you're talking about letting all these things out, like you guys have millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars potentially of, of NFTs. How do, who manages all that? Who, I mean, is there like an, an armor type person that that's, you know, looking for, you know, where are these and, and how do I make sure that they're, they're logged? Yeah, definitely. We do have a game operations team that are the gameplay experts for each game. I mean, it's it's just funny, like the the jobs in the real world are just getting more and more specific. Like we have a breeding master whose job it is to breed Axie Infinity pets. And then, uh, yeah, we have people managing lands in strategy games. And like... And over time, we'll have people who will be manning the spaceships in Star Atlas so that our players can use them. (laughs) Keep going. What what other like random random positions do you have or or things that are people doing? Because that's just fascinating to think about the logistics. How big like you don't have staff or do you have staff or what? We do have staff. So there's a core team of around 25 people who work on the operations on the development on the biz dev side and we do have a lot of community contributors as well but it's also happened that a lot of our hires have also come from the community that's fabulous the the first section there was there was so much that you were talking about in terms of the the width and the depth um that it takes to run an international um i don't even know what to call it gaming gaming guild (laughs) yeah gaming gaming guild um but but what is the scale in numbers if you can kind of get help help with some metrics around that yeah sure so for example in axie infinity alone there are over thirty-five thousand axes we're managing over a billion dollars aum for a one-year-old DAO in both nfts and tokens um and uh we have we've paid out over 11 million dollars in Axie Infinity to our player community, most of them from developing regions such as Philippines, Indonesia, Thailand, Venezuela, where $200 goes a long, long way. And we have over 6,000 Axie scholars, so people who are using our Axie Infinity assets to uh, to go there and uh, earn a living from our games. You you could be easily one of the, the, the most innovative entry to, to blockchain and crypto um, gateways that there is out there right now for, yep. for um, third, second and third world countries. Um, and, and do you see people that, that they may leave gaming and go off into other sectors of, of Web3? I mean, clearly you're changing lives for the better, um, but, but teaching them through gaming. Yeah, absolutely. So our unofficial motto is we're turning gamers into investors. We don't just want them to keep playing Axie Infinity and earning SLP. We want them to turn that SLP, for example, into Ethereum or Bitcoin. Maybe they'll buy more Axie so that they can lend it out to their family members who can have their own jobs. Or they can buy virtual land in Axie Infinity and actually be a landowner in the metaverse. The most powerful thing in this uh, job that we've had in the guild is that seeing people come in as scholars with no money, start to play the game, with a few cycles, they pay off their debts, put food on the table, pay for medical bills. And then after maybe a few months, they start having excess uh, funds. They start having savings for the first time in their entire lives. And what this gives them is this sense of control over their lives where 
they actually have the power to make decisions for their future. And that's not something that you can just kind of click with giving someone money. You're giving people the agency so they can make a better lives for themselves and for their families via investing in crypto assets. So that's the power of uh, play to earn. So it's the old saying, uh, teach a man to fish, you know, and, yeah. and they'll never go hungry. And, and, but yours is different because you're, you're taking something that's very simple that most of them understand a game. Um, and most of our parents said, you know, games are useless. They're a waste of your time. You'll never go anywhere. My parents said so. <laughs> yeah, no, I, listen, I, I, I have a, I have a friend who's a, a, you know, insanely talented developer and is when he was given a computer by his grandfather, his grandmother goes, well, what do you want him to be a typist? You know, is he going to be somebody's <laughs> secretary? And, and so looking at what you're doing and looking at, at, you know, the, the changes you're making in the world, what that there's going to be long-term effects from that. Yeah. Um, because I, I would say that there's probably villages in, in a lot of the countries that you're in that probably have a better knowledge base of blockchain and cryptocurrencies than most cities in the United States. Um, I agree. And, Absolutely. And, and, what what do you think is going to happen there over the next five years when you have um, when 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 the tides finally turn? Yeah. So the interesting thing about what we're doing later on is that we're starting with the fringes first, the people from the villages, from the barangays who are learning blockchain, crypto through gaming. Uh, the, the, our, the adoption is not as high in metropolitan or rich cities because they see a relatively simple game compared to a Call of Duty. They have money, they're, they're safe in their air-conditioned homes, and they ask themselves, why bother? But for these people in the provinces, in the rural areas that are playing these games, this is literally a matter of life and death for them, and they're learning crypto in this way. So this kind of democratization of access means that uh, like blockchain is very kind of new, cutting-edge technology, but its benefits are being felt by people in the rural areas uh, more than the cities. And I think that's just really kind of reversing the trend of technology as it usually happens. So, which is, which is absolutely true. So what's been some of the biggest surprises you've had, you know, recently, as you got into this, you moved through it. Um, what were kind of things that you woke up and you go, really? Like, really? Like, this is what I have to deal with? Um, or <laughs> that were just a, a really positive, you know, positive change. You go, I can't believe that that's something that, that, that we occurred. Yeah, so uh, late, earlier this year, we uh, released a documentary called Play to Earn. You can find it on YouTube, which chronicles the stories of uh, ordinary people in a town north of Manila called Camarantuan City that started discovering the game and playing to earn money during the early part of the pandemic. And what's, uh, I guess, uh, what's most interesting about it is that you have very normal people from all across the board. These are not like male teenagers who are hardcore gamers. You see a grandmother and grandpa who are retired, who are manning a small store, who are playing the game for additional income because it pays for their medical bills. You have people who have been sidelined and doing nothing because uh, like they have no customers who are playing this game in the spare time and earning more money than the jobs that they lost. So it's just really eye-opening when you see the actual stories behind the people that this technology is actually helping. What happened to your numbers uh, 2019 to 2020 with, with lockdown and everything else? Um, was, I, I take it there was a bit of a spike. Oh, yeah, it just exploded. Like this wouldn't have happened. This kind of adoption wouldn't have happened if not for the COVID lockdown, ironically. What, what's, what's kind of on your mind? What, what, uh, what worlds are you looking at? What's next? How do you, how do you expand this? How do you, how do you continue to grow it? And how do you, um, you know, ass assess the risks and uh, the opportunities? 
I think uh, we're still at the very infancy of this movement. There's still a lot of misunderstood things about Later Earth, and most a lot of there's a lot of mainstream backlash over NFTs, for example. A lot of game developers are still negative towards Later Earth, and uh, governments still don't quite understand that you can use something called a smooth love potion to pay for your your food on the table. So uh, there's a lot of communication and advocacy going on, especially since there's a lot of cultural resistance to the idea that I can be playing games and be productive and earning money. There's always been the thought that if I'm playing a game, especially if I'm spending so much time playing a game, I'm probably wasting my time and I'm wasting my money as well. But what we're seeing here is that people are going into games, acquiring skills, earning money, being part of the community, and actually being a productive part of society and earning not only income, but also ownership for themselves. It, it, it's the entire, you know, hearing you talk through what this is, and I'm, I'm struggling to come up with questions because you're so, um, there, there's, there's so many different directions to go with this interview. And so really, I'm going to, I'm going to just kind of, you know, jump back to an earlier <clears throat> statement is, um, as, as you think about where this is going to go, and, and, you know, in blockchain, I don't think you can, anyone says they can go out five years in time. I don't think that exists. <laughs> when do you think that we're going to see the shift into true VR AR? Like, have you seen anyone that's going to take this be- and, and actually move into that virtual world instead of just staring at the screens? Sure. So when I think about what the metaverse is, I think about like VR AR specifically as just ways to interface with the metaverse so it might be through a screen it might be through an ar device it might be through vr it might be through a pc so uh vr and ar for me is not the defining feature of the metaverse is actually having a shared online virtual world with a kind of common economic system which is uh, underpinned by the blockchain so that people can come in and create their virtual lives together, trade with each other, own assets in the virtual world. And then they may be accessed to a variety of interfaces and VR could be one of them, but it doesn't necessarily need to be in VR. So it's so this is what, uh, and the reason I get at that is because you're, you're continually at the forefront of all blockchain gaming. And for all the, you know, everything's going to go goggles, everything's going to go this, you're still going back to it. It's about the community. It, 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 it really matters, you know, who's engaged, how are they engaged? Um, who's getting it right? You know, what, what games are, what world's out there? I mean, we, we talk about Wild World and we talk about all these other yeah. ones, um, but we also know that 80% of them are never going <laughs> to come into existence. And you guys mm-hmm. can only buy so much land in so many games. Yeah. So I actually go back to Axie Infinity because um, they have the best community. And, you know, it took a whole 2.5 years before the game really started taking off. And it started taking off because of an innovation that was discovered by the community, not the players themselves. And the other thing that Axie is really good at is that it's very accessible from a mobile device. So I can be in the farthest reaches of... Uh, Indonesia, for example, have an Android device connected to a phone, play the game and earn tokens. And I think that level of accessibility is uh, key to uh, really distributing this around the world. Of course, uh, there will be VR and AR AR, uh, types of NFT based uh, play to earn games, but I don't necessarily see kind of the kid in the village in the Philippines or 
um, across Nigeria, strapping on uh, VR goggles and kind of using that to earn money. It may happen, but what's probably going to happen is that there's going to be really cheap $100 Android phones with a built-in crypto wallet that gives you access to different kinds of ways to earn money through, uh, through your phone. So you, you continue to come back at it. It's about the community. <clears throat> community. The community more than the, and the technology will, will embrace the community. And if the technology does not embrace the community, you're, you're losing, you know, big, big chunks. And so I think that's interesting because um, it's hard for people to think about that kid in the village um, being able to, to earn money or being able to play a game because um, he doesn't have a, you know, thousand dollar GPU and, okay. and a high speed, you know, fiber line like what we're sitting on right now. Um You've got a, a token, YGG token. Can, yeah. you, can you talk through the tokenomics and, and the utilities of that? Sure. So uh, the YGG token itself is a membership and governance token. So membership means there are uh, things that you can access uh, if you have a YGG token, starting with our token-gated Discord, where there are certain channels that are only available for token holders. The other way to think about uh, YGG token is that it's a governance token where people can create proposals um, that would interact with the protocol itself. So it might be, for example, uh, like it's like owning a small slice of uh, like the assets. If someone makes a proposal uh, to do that, or one way to think about it is that it's your index to the metaverse. If you want to be exposed to the open metaverse and maybe buy some assets in blockchain games or NFTs, but you don't know uh, which ones to buy, then leave the buying to us because we do this for a living. And you can buy the YG token, get exposed to our community, and you kind of have an index of the best play to earn in NFT games that we work with. That's fabulous. Um, all right, let's let's leave uh, YGG behind for a second. And let's just talk about, you know, you, you are a technologist. You, you've been a gamer, you've done everything. So what do you, what do you, what's interesting to you out there? I mean, what, what other, you know, what's besides gaming, um, are, are you into any FT projects? Do you think any of the DeFi protocols are super cool? Um, you know, what's kind of got you interested in, in the, in the web three world right now? Okay. So the, what I love about web three is that it's really changing the nature of work itself. I think what we're seeing will be, the death of the nine to five people will be joining different DAOs, playing different games. They will be content creators. They will be level designers. They can be virtual fashion designers. They can be all of those and not only earning fees or maybe uh, contracts, but earning ownership of the DAOs they are part in. So this has been the first major upgrade to uh, capitalism since the invention of uh, equity or limited uh, limited liability. Now you have uh, kind of digital ownership that can be feel, freely transferred and given across participants of a network, right? I mean, if you had a company, for example, that had 25 million users, it's not easy to give out equity to each of those 25 million users, right? Yeah. Um no, but in uh, in uh, in DAOs in blockchain, you can easily do that because you're just sending tokens across, and these owners of these tokens can uh, participate in governance and have uh, uh, ex- uh, they have exposure to the upside of each protocol as well. So that's really the most exciting part. It's going to change the entire way people think of work, and you're already seeing this in crypto, where a lot of the teams are international, remote. Some of them 
our uh, team members are even anonymous. People don't know who they are in real life. They get paid in crypto and people show up with their credentials instead of uh, like what they've done on chain, off chain, what their, their source code looked like instead of what school you went to, where do you graduate, what country you're from. So the entire world of work is changing. How do you validate that? How do you, um, and we've talked to some of the, the uh, Anons on here and they come on and we, we get their, their, uh, their <laughs> NFT profile and, and, and I, you know, it's a, more of a radio uh, interview at that point where people just stare at me, but how do you validate them? What, what are the, you know, how do you make sure that they really are who they are and they really coded what they coded? Okay, so uh, one of the principles of Web3 is that uh, people, you can judge people by their contributions, meaning what have they, what smart contracts have they deployed on the blockchain? What's their GitHub repository? What what have people done? One of my co-founders, he's an anon and goes by the name Owl of Moistness. I've never met him in real life. And he's one of the most valuable people in Yield Guild because he makes all of the uh, tech that runs our scholarship, automated scholarship program work. And he's just a genius. And, and so for, for we have an audience of, of uh, youths as well. We refer to them as YNG, uh, YPO Next Generation. For, for them on here, you know, that are trying to understand why would you be Anon, why, why would you kind of, you know, um, uh, expose yourself in the crypto world? And, and to be clear, there's, there's a lot of really good reasons to do both. Um, what's kind of advice you give to, to why you would choose one over the other? Yeah, so uh, the last 15 years or so have been marked by social networks uh, linking our real-world identity. And in a way, this has been hijacked by, for example, forces that use social networks to kind of influence uh, people's decision-making. And I think now there's a trend of people who don't want to be known who they are in the real world and just be judged by their actions online. And I think that younger generation like gen z actually is more native towards this where they're comfortable looking like a, a pixelated punk on twitter or on discord rather than having their real face and uh just be judged for what they do and not who they are um yeah i see this more and more common across uh, the younger generations fantastic and so for them you would say you know what are the what do you, what would they need to establish right off the bat to 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 succeed in in the new blockchain world? Um, obviously, you got to establish your you know proof of you know um, proof of membership, proof of everything else. So basically, yeah. just create your identity and 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 stick with it. Over and the this years. is where uh, this is where wallets come in because your wallet is like everyone's wallets are see through. Everyone can see them, so people know like how many assets you have, how much worth tokens. It's like having your bank account for everyone to see and all of your assets listed there, but it's also your reputation because you think differently of a wallet that has a crypto punk with it than a wallet that just started, for example. The wallet that just started doesn't get any respect in the world, but someone who you know has played these games with thousands of NFTs, you know they have a lot of credibility in the space. You know, and so I'm going to ask you a question about people with thousands of NFTs. How do you org how are you supposed to organize these things? 
I, well, I'm one of those people, and there's actually um, a number of applications that help you kind of display your NFTs, manage them, sell them, organize them. And it's just a lot of fun trying uh, to do all of those. Like all of my NFTs are jumbled between I have car parts, I have land, I have digital pets, I have like event tickets, and they're all just lumped under NFTs, but they're all very different things. So just as a quick question, what, what are you using to organize them? I've, I've worked, I've never found anything good. Um, there is, uh, there's an application called gallery, gallery.so. Um, yeah, that's really good. And I'm a, a very small investor in that. Um, and you can also go to, uh, of course, like platforms like OpenSea and Rarible and see all of your, uh, NFTs there. And yeah, so yeah. Th there's now a lot of different ways to do that. Fabulous. Um, so, so with the last last uh, few minutes, you know, what else? What else do you want to tell people? I know that you had a, a documentary made on you guys. Um, talk. What, what was that like? Yeah. So, with a documentary, um, we wanted to tell the stories of uh, people in uh, northern Philippines who who found Axie Infinity and got into the world of crypto and Web3 via Play to Earn and uh, saved uh, saved themselves from poverty during the early part of the documentary documentary so uh, you can watch that it's an 18 minute uh, video and it's just really powerful when you see the actual lives of people who are impacted by this technology and are you you know welcome in these villages do you have you know um do people go out and recruit you to physically show up yeah, we are actually going um, this uh, this week to one of those villages that was featured in the documentary, and we expect hundreds, if not thousands, of people to be there. Oh my! Really? So do you have like a? Yeah. Is there a YGG bus that's rolling around? There's gonna like, be a, a lot of cars, and we are gonna have an event at the mall, and we expect a lot of people to to attend. I'm so excited. <laughs> um, well, awesome. So, so you've been fabulous. And, uh, so before we go, we, we get to get, you get to, uh, something from us. And while you have a gazillion NFTs, you're going to get one more. Um, oh, so, yes. I love NFTs as gifts. So what these are, um, is they're 3d objects mm -hmm. and they're, they're giant whales. Oh so, yeah. So this is, uh, this Very is our YPO cool. one. Um, but we have all sorts of, so here's a FOMO. He's a nice gold, gold one. Um, I, I want that one. You want you're, you're okay. You're you're automatically made your choice because yeah, yeah, yeah. you know we've got we've got purple. Uh, we got some purple ones. I'll just uh, I chose one. Just pick another one to send to me. Okay, you got it. I'll make that happen. Well, uh -huh. um, Gabby, I really really appreciate it. Um, we're gonna go ahead and, and stop recording. So just hang out here for a second, um, and we'll let this thing go. So hold on. All right. Thanks, Jay. Why Whales was founded in 2021 by Jay Steinbach, a passionate entrepreneur and business owner, with the purpose of bringing YPO and YNG members together in the cryptoverse. Why Whales is a collaborative and confidential community centered around cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, an exclusive crypto hub of more than 600 members. To be notified when we release new content, please subscribe to our show in your preferred listening app. For more information, visit www.ywhales.com. YWhales is not affiliated with YPO, but at this time only allow for YPO, YPO Gold, and YNG members due to privacy and confidentiality. Support and production for today's episode was done by Truthwork Media.
Nothing in the podcast constitutes professional and or financial advice, nor does any information on the podcast constitute a comprehensive or complete statement of the matters discussed or the law relating thereto.